just as others are gathering in. We're going to sing a few choruses. It's been a long time since we've done this. We're probably better using this, this mic than, than this one for, for obvious reasons. The old, old story, it is ever new. The old, old story, praise the Lord, tis true. Soon and very soon, we're going to see the king. We love to sing this when we go over to the land of Romania, and we sing it in English, of course. Let's sing it tonight.
verses and we're going to sing them. Open to us. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus, sing his mercy and his grace. wonderful day, a day I will never forget. After I wandered in darkness away, Jesus, my Savior, I met.
Let's all pray. Father, we're glad that we're in the house of God tonight. Here in the gospel service where your word will be presented later. Here in the fellowship of God's people, those of like precious faith. Here to think about the one who came into the world to be the savior of men. We want our focus to be upon him. Jesus, stand among us in your risen power. May that be our experience tonight, the Lord central to this gospel meeting. We thank thee for the wonderful day of which the hymn has been speaking about tonight in the experience of all who know the Lord in this meeting. Because there was a day when we were brought to see our need. We were brought to see and understand that we were sinners in the sight of God. Sinners condemned, unclean, separated from a holy God. Sinners destined to a lost eternity, going out into the blackness of darkness forever. Sinners greatly in need of the transforming power of the gospel. And Lord, you brought us to see the one who was able to save us from our sin. The one who was able to take us from the broad road and set our feet upon the narrow way that leads to life in heaven. Lord, we thank you for that day when by grace our eyes were opened to behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, to get our eyes upon Christ and him crucified and the great work that he came to do. How we bless you that Christ died for us. He took our sin in his own body and he paid the price, took the punishment that we deserved so that we who were guilty and hell deserving might go free. And Lord, when you revealed these things to us and brought us to see the light of the gospel, we turned in simple faith and we trusted in Christ and we were forgiven. Our sins, which were many, were washed away. We obtained the pardon and peace of God. We were made the children of the Most High. We were brought into the family of God and our future therefore certain. For we are going by and by to the palaces of a king. Glory to God, hallelujah. And true Lord, heaven come down just as we were singing earlier. And we thank you, Lord, that you met us in all our need and you drew us to Christ. Lord, we pray for others who do not know the Lord, some of them here in our church building with us tonight and others that are listening in at home. We pray as we sing together these hymns that speak so well of Christ and point us in the way in which he lived and died for us. We pray as we come to the preaching of the word that you will speak to hearts and may there be that drawing power that will bring the unconverted to christ how we bless thee tonight you're able to save to the uttermost all who come unto god by christ jesus remember all who meet like this tonight or sister congregations and every other faithful pulpit in this land and as your word is proclaimed as christ is presented as the redeemer of men Lord, may there be many who will turn in faith and seek the Lord while he may be found. Continue to remember our sister Lydia in all her need this week and in the coming weeks. Put your gracious hand upon her as you have been doing in these days and continue to give her grace. We bless thee that you add grace to grace. And your word tells us, and we sing it so often, he giveth more grace. May that be so for your child. For Ryan and the families, we just hand them again over to the Lord. We know that they're in your hands, and 
We pray that that will continue to be so in these days of trial. And may they prove the all-sufficient grace of God. Remember others that are sick and led aside, some of our folks in hospital this night, some, Lord, at, at home. But nonetheless, they need your touch and that healing restoration to health and strength. Lord, be with them. Hear this, our prayer, for Jesus' sake. Amen. 202, I was sinking deep in sin, sinking to rise no more, overwhelmed by guilt within. Mercy, I did implore. Love lifted me. Let's sing it. <clears throat> Let's stand to sing.
always like to give you a warm word of welcome at this part of the meeting, so good to see you tonight. And if you're tuning in on the internet, we're glad to have you as part of the Hebron Church this evening. Supper will be served. There are refreshments there for you. If you can stay and enjoy that wee time together, please do. It's all ready. It's all prepared. Tomorrow morning, the Hebron Tots meets at 10 o'clock. And we want you to pray this week as we enter upon the school's ministry. On Tuesday, we will be in Castle Row. And on Wednesday, Les Ligon, Christine will be there. And Thursday, Co-Crow. And Greg will be responsible for that. Tuesday night is the senior, or Tuesday morning is the senior fellowship at 11. So if you fit into that category of being a senior, we would love to have you. It's just a wee informal time of fellowship. You get something to eat, and we trust that you'll consider it and come and be part of that fellowship. Tuesday night is the youth challenge at 7, and Wednesday night is our committee meeting at 8, Thursday night the prayer meeting at 8 o'clock. I'll be in Tandra Gee at the Christian Workers Training Academy, but our newly elected and installed and ordained Elder Samuel Johnson will be preaching the Word on <clears throat> Thursday night, so you, you've got to be there. This is his first time preaching the Word as an elder, and I'm sure you're looking forward to it as much as he is immensely. I think that's the right word, isn't it, Samuel? And then down to the time of prayer. Friday night, Jonathan will speak to the young people, and this is a time of prayer. We want all of our young people to be there. Uh, last year, we had a wonderful time, and I plan to be there also. If you can go back 12 months ago to the prayer meeting, young people, the Lord was with us, and he was with you and helped you to pray. And we're looking forward to such a time again in this house on Friday. Next Lord's Day, we gather at the beginning of the day for prayer, and that time is 8 o'clock. Sunday school is at 10.30, and Bible class is a quarter to 11. Mervyn is dealing with good guidance for godly living, and he comes to message three, possessing patience. The worship service is at 12 noon. We continue, God willing, with our study in Mark. Gospel meeting at 7. And as we announced this morning, uh, we need a temporary primary school teacher for three days, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday until June. And uh, if you know of anyone that is qualified or you're qualified to do this, please do see us. And we want the congregation to pray that this position will be filled for this little time. We've kept it live on the list because we want to continue to pray for Ukraine. Our Ukrainians meet separately on a Sunday night, but they were with us this morning, those that were well enough to come to church. And on the 24th of February, that's this Saturday, the war broke out two years ago in their country, and they're still suffering. They have friends and relatives back in that land. Some of them are fighting in the war. Some of them are helpers on the front line. Others are doing what they can. And uh, sometimes they have to evacuate, get out of their homes when the bombs fall and get into shelters. So there's a lot still going on there. We want to pray for Israel too. Uh, pray that the Lord will bring these wars to a conclusion. One other announcement to make, and that is concerning Uganda. And Sadie gave me these leaflets 
on behalf of the Missionary Council. And it is Emmanuel Christian School where our sister Noring is the principal. And they're appealing for any who would like to sponsor a child. To sponsor a child is 140 pounds for the year. That's not a lot when you think about getting an education and providing uh, for some of their necessities. There are over 500 children at the school and most of these need support. So there's a leaflet here, gives you the details of what it is for the year and what it is for the month. And if you are a gift aid contributor, it actually reduces it. But all, all the figures are there, all the information is there, and the leaflets are at the door as you leave. Please take one, consider it prayerfully before the Lord. We come to our offering for the Lord's work as we bring our tithes and offerings in and today is missionary uh, envelopes and the school covenant support. Missionary council envelopes and school covenant support. 247 is the hymn. It is the grandest theme through the ages rung. It is the grandest theme for a mortal tongue. It is the grandest theme that the world e'er sung. And the theme of the hymn is, Our God is able to deliver thee. You have not been delivered from your sin tonight, and you're still in your sin. You know not the Lord. This is the message we want you to hear in your heart as we sing. God's able. He's able to deliver you right now, tonight. You don't have to wait until later or tomorrow or some future time. Our God's able to do that for you, and he's able to do it now. Let's sing of the words as we sing. Keeping our seats, please for the opening part. <clears throat>
We have three Bible texts that we want to leave with you tonight. So instead of reading the portion of Scripture where the texts are found, I'm just going to read the texts themselves. And the first one is in Mark chapter 12. And then we'll go over to the Acts of the Apostles, the chapter 24, and then back to chapter 16. First of all, Mark chapter 12, just one verse, and it's verse 34. Speaking to the, the scribe that has come forward here with a question on behalf of the other scribes, the Lord Jesus, when he saw that he answered discreetly, he said unto him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. And no man after that durst ask him any question. Then we go over to the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 24, and verse 25. And here the great apostle, Paul, is standing before Felix, and he has a three-point sermon to give him, and it's given in summary here, as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. And then I want you to come back to the 16th chapter of the book of Acts and Mark verse 30. The great question of all questions asked by the Philippian jailer in the second part of this verse, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? May God bless the texts, and as we come now to, to preach upon them, may he give us help. We'll look to him just for a moment, please, in prayer. Loving Father, we, we thank thee for your precious word. We thank you for these verses that we're going to consider just for a little time in the closing minutes of this service. We praise you for the challenge that is here for all that are gathered. And there is a word, a very powerful word in the gospel for those who know not the Savior. But Lord, I confess I need your help to bring the message. And certainly those who sit in the pew need help to listen, to sit up, pay attention, give their minds and hearts over to God's word. And Lord, we pray throughout we will know the ministry of the Spirit working in hearts, applying the truths of your word to the conscience. And may it please the Lord to visit us with the, the power of God and the saving influence of the Spirit. And may there be that drawing power that will bring sinners to the foot of the cross and to Christ himself for salvation. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The overall subject, as we look at these three verses, is reactions to gospel preaching. The gospel, as you know, is the good news. Uh, there's a lot of bad news today, but when we come to, to the word gospel, that's what it means, and that's what it is. It's the good news that you don't need to die in your sin. It's the good news that you don't need to be lost in hell forevermore. It's the good news that there was one who came into this world to be the Savior of man, 
and by his sacrifice at the cross of Calvary, he purchased salvation for those who would come and trust in him. So that's good news tonight, good news for you. It's a message that is proclaimed and will be proclaimed to the nations of the world. It will never be silenced, despite the opposition of men or Satan. Jesus preaching on the end times declared, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. And this is encouraging news for us as we think of gospel days in which we're living. Here's a message, and it will never be done away with. It's a message that's going to be preached right until the end of time, until Jesus comes. And this is an encouragement, isn't it, for our missionaries too? And we've sent out missionaries across the world to, to preach the gospel. This message is going to be proclaimed right until the end of time. And a work will be done. I'm glad that we have the freedom to proclaim the good news in our nation, though that liberty is under attack and we don't know when it's going to be taken away but we have the freedom now we can have our gospel services like this you came here tonight you were not hindered there were not secret police standing at the door to stop you getting into church tonight there was nobody there to prevent you coming into the house of god this evening and we can conduct our gospel missions and we're thankful for that. And we can go to various venues as we do through the town and out to other outlying districts and with freedom and liberty preach the glorious gospel of Christ unhindered. We can go out into the open air as we do twice a month. And even with the rain yesterday, there was a good number of people came to stand as a public witness. And there on the street, we can preach Christ. Now, we do see in certain parts of of the United Kingdom, that that liberty is under attack and they're, they're trying to silence the preaching of the gospel in the open air. But we still have the freedom here, by and large, in Northern Ireland, that we certainly have it in our own town of Balamuni. And we can visit the schools. It's been an amazing journey for us over the past year or so that we're getting into more schools than ever. And we have this liberty and we thank God for it. So never take our freedom for granted. Be faithful and be fervent in your outreach to a lost world. The sad reality, however, is this. The gospel is not always received well. We proclaim it. We faithfully present it to others. But so often men turn away from the presentation of the gospel. And I find that one of the saddest realities that I ever face in my ministry here on the Sabbath day, and we seek by the grace of God to preach, preach our heart out, set before the people the clear claims of Christ upon their, their lives, show them the way to heaven, the way of salvation, and yet they can walk out the doors without the Lord. And they can walk out past the gospel text that I hope they look at it's a constant reminder, it is time to seek the Lord. And yet they can walk away from the Lord Jesus Christ. And they, they can turn away from the praying of God's people. There's a hall there that we gather in every Sunday night before the service 
begins on a Sunday night just to pray for this meeting and to saturate it uh, in prayer at the throne of heavenly grace. And they can go out and turn away from the Lord despite all our pleading. Oh, we would plead with men to be reconciled to God, to be saved, and yet they, they go away without the Lord. And many go on heedless and careless. And we're going to see tonight three reactions to gospel preaching. There's many more, but I'm going to single out just three with you tonight. And the first one is in Mark chapter 12 and verse 34. And here we have the man who stopped short. Jesus saw that he, the scribe, answered discreetly. He said unto him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. He was not far, but he stopped short. In the congregation that thronged the ministry of Christ, often there were those who were very promising listeners. They were not the critics. They were not the fault finders. They were not there to trip up the Lord in his ministry, but they were there to listen. And many of them listened intently. They drank in the word that they heard. And so often there was a work going on in the heart that, that brought concern. And certainly these, these listeners were very promising. And we read about one such individual here in the city of Jerusalem. And he was a scribe, a man that was so well-versed in the Scriptures. That was his job. That was his occupation. In the Old Testament, the job of the scribes, one of the great jobs of the scribes was to write down the Word of God, which they did carefully, copying the Scriptures. They didn't have printing presses back then, but the Word of God was written on parchment paper. In the New Testament, their, their main job was to interpret the law, to teach the law, to instruct the people in the things of God, and so therefore they, they knew the Bible inside out. The Lord has, has been preaching. He has been highlighting in, in this particular occasion the rejection of man. In the early part of the chapter, he related a parable about a vineyard. The vineyard was, was well provided for, but the husbandmen who were left in charge were treacherous and unfaithful men who actually beat up the servants and killed at least one of them that came to receive fruit. The master of the vineyard eventually purposed to send his well-beloved son. But these treacherous husbandmen planned to kill him, and they did. And all this, of course, was a story, a parable that was pointing to Christ and how he was treated by the religious leaders, these Jewish people. Jesus said, the stone which the builders rejected is become the head of the corner. And when Jesus told this story, the leaders wanted to kill him. But they didn't do that immediately, though they would do it soon. Because the Bible says they feared the people, for they knew that he had spoken the parable against them. And so they left his presence and they went away. But they sent others, other Jewish dignitaries, to catch out the Lord with hard questions. And we have three that are mentioned in this chapter. We have the Pharisee, 
the Pharisees and the Herodians who came, and they had a political question. Now, you can study this for yourself. We have it from verse 13 to verse 17. And the question was, is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar? Do we pay our taxes or not? And the Lord, of course, gave the answer. And then we have the Sadducees. They had a theological question. They were the theologians, though they were completely unsound in their doctrine. These Sadducees were theologians, and their theological question is recorded from verse 18 to 27, and it's to do with the subject of marriage and marriage in the afterlife, which they incidentally did not believe in because they didn't believe in the resurrection. The third question was from the scribes, and their question was a religious question, and we have that from verse 28 right down to our text here in verse 34. And the question at the end of verse 28 is, which is the first commandment in the law? And you will know that the answer to that is, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than this. That's how the Lord answered the question. And the scribe, he said in verse 32, Well, Master, thou hast said the truth, for there is one God, and there is none other but He. And to love Him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love his neighbor as himself is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. You see, this, this man was a little bit different than the others that had come, either the Pharisees and the Herodians or the, the Sadducees. This man is certainly inclined towards the truth of God's Word. And this scribe seems to be the most promising of all. The others were there to trick Christ and accuse Him of something that He said amiss if they possibly could. But this scribe, it seems, had, had some kind of inclination towards the things of God. And when Jesus heard his answer, he knew that he answered discreetly. Matthew Henry tells us that this word discreetly means as one that had a mind, as a rational, intelligent man, as one that had his wits about him, as one whose reason was not blinded, whose judgment was not biased, and whose forethought was not fettered by the prejudices which other scribes were so much under the power of. He answered as one that allowed himself liberty and leisure to consider, as one that had considered. And when he gives this answer, and the Lord discerns his heart and knows his heart and is able to see that he answers discreetly. Jesus makes this very interesting statement in our text in verse 34. Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. Now, you can't read a statement like that without considering those who come to <clears throat> a similar position in their life. They get very near 
They get very near to Christ, very near to the gospel, very near to the kingdom, very near indeed to a decision point in their life. But they stop short. I think of the countless people who have attended our church over the years, and they have been brought nigh the kingdom of Christ, and they've had thoughts and convictions and fears and desires about Christ. They have felt the inner strivings of the Spirit in their heart. They have been convinced about many spiritual truths. They have recognized that Jesus is the way, the only way to heaven, as he said himself, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And they have sensed their sin and their undoneness before a holy God. And they've been awakened to their eternal danger and, and doom. And they've almost made it. They've almost got there. And of them, it can be said, they were not far from the kingdom. And in fact, not far is written over them this very night. And maybe that's you in the service. You're just like this scribe. And you have knowledge and you have understanding. And as you've, you've listened to the message of Christ, you've been inclined towards that message. And thus you're, you're not far. But please notice that not far is not there. Not far is not saved. Not far is not forgiven, not pardoned. It means that you're still in your sin. You're still on the road to a Christless eternity. And you need to waken up. And you need to get there. You need to get into the kingdom. You need to take that step of faith. But here's a man who stops short. The second man is over in Acts chapter 24, very familiar story of Felix, and it's chapter 24, verse 25, as this man was preached to, because Paul reasoned of righteousness, temperance, judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, go thy way for this time, when I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. And we're saying tonight from this text that this man is a man who spurned the call. The first man stopped short, but here's a man who spurns the call, who procrastinates his soul. In the closing period of, of Paul's life, he was brought to stand before some very great and, and mighty leaders, and I think of the ones that we read about in this section of Acts. There's a man by the name of Festus. There's another man by the name of Agrippa. Now we go on to read about, and there's this man called Felix. Now, when Paul was converted, all those years before Acts chapter 9 tells us about his conversion, you remember the disciple Ananias was sent to him to relate to him what the plan of God was for his life. And one of the things that the Lord told Ananias to say to Saul of Tarsus was this, go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. And all these years later, 
he is certainly seeing a fulfillment, a great fulfillment of that. He's going to stand before kings, leaders, and bear the name of Christ. And these men all reacted differently. It would seem to me that Festus didn't really care at all about his soul. We know that Agrippa was almost persuaded to be a Christian. And Felix, well, he had a great knowledge of Christianity, and he was desirous to hear Paul preach. And he did. And he heard the three-point sermon because Paul presented to him those three cardinal truths of the gospel, reasoned with him, set all the arguments before him about righteousness. You know, really, when you preach a subject of righteousness, you're telling a man the truth of the gospel. You have no righteousness of your own. You are, in the sight of God, a sinner. But you need righteousness if you're going to have a standing with God. And we know that that righteousness is through Christ. And when we come to know him as our Savior, we're clothed with the righteousness of Christ. So that was his first point, righteousness. He needed to be right. He needed to have a right standing with God. He not only preached righteousness, but he preached temperance, self-control. And this man, it would seem from what we read in history, was a man that was out of control. He was given to alcohol. He was given to immorality, as we know. And what do you preach to a man like that? You preach temperance. And then his third point was the judgment. The judgment to come. Felix, there's coming a day when you're going to stand before Almighty God, and you will give an account of your sin. And Felix, that day is a day of sentence when, when the eternal sentence will be proclaimed or passed upon you. And you know, that sermon had a great effect upon Felix's life and heart because we're told that he, he trembled. He trembled. But despite that, he procrastinated. He spurned the call of the gospel. And he did so in his infamous words of this text. Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. The world was calling him because he was a man of the world. Rome was calling him for he was a servant of the great empire of Rome. Position was calling him for he had a high position within that Roman government. Business was calling him. Drusilla was calling him. Talks about his, his wife Drusilla here. Well, you know, he had actually stolen her from another man, from Cain Agrippa, because Drusilla was married to Cain Agrippa. But Felix came along and stole her away, and we're, we're told she was just about 20 at this time. And he was not really living in a proper married relationship. He was living in immorality. But you know, Drusilla's voice was also calling. And the worldly lifestyle that he lived was calling. Now this reaction fits the description of many sinners who attend our meetings. They are willing to hear. They're glad to come to church. They're glad to take their place in the pew. They're glad to listen to the gospel message just as Felix was glad to hear Paul and wanted to hear Paul preach that day. 
and some even tremble. Many times that we've had our missions and gospel meetings like this and the word has been preached and people have sat and they have shaken in the pew under conviction of sin. But sadly, they spurn the call. And how do they do that? They do it by the same way, in the same way that Felix did. Go thy way for this time when, I've, when it suits me, when it suits me, when I've got a convenient season. Well, then I'll maybe call you back and, and listen a little bit more. Go thy way. Is that you tonight? Go thy way, for I'm too busy to think about the matters of my soul. Go thy way because I want to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a little bit longer before I would even think about becoming a Christian. Go thy way because I'm too young. Christianity is for old people. Go thy way for I have all life before me and I want to live that life before I would get right with God. Go thy way because my wife, my husband, my partner, my boyfriend, my girlfriend, they're calling me away, and they wouldn't be happy if I came to know the Lord as my Savior. Go thy way. Is that what you're saying tonight? Is that what you've said in, in past nights? And so you procrastinate. That's what we call it. You, you delay this matter. You put it off to another time, some other day. And you know by and large that other day never comes. It might for a few, but generally those that keep procrastinating and keep saying no, and no, and no, go thy way, go thy way. Very often, it never comes. I wonder, is God working in your heart? I wonder, do you feel the strivings of the Spirit in your soul? I wonder, are you concerned? It's a good thing that you're concerned. It indicates that God is still with you. He's working in your heart. Do you sense your need? Do you fear? Do you tremble? Well, then now is the time to come. Isn't that what the Bible says? Today, today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Do not do what Felix did. This man spurned the call of the gospel. But look at the third man, Acts chapter 16, and we're at verse 30. Here's a man that cries out, we believe on our conviction of sin. It all happened pretty quickly in his life, didn't it? That this night of all nights in his life, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And I believe here's a man who strove to enter in. I want to be saved. I want to get right with God. I want to have a right relationship with the Lord. I want to go to heaven someday. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Here is a man who undoubtedly was a very hard sinner at the beginning of the story. He was a Roman jailer who had been given into his charge to persecuted, mistreated, beaten apostles. Many stripes had been laid upon them because of gospel work. It had brought them into controversy with the, the citizens of Philippi, particularly because a young woman had been delivered from Satan's power. Having lost their trade of fortune-telling, because that's what this girl did, having lost that trade, 
when the young damsel was, was set free from the power of the devil, her masters were angry. And they seized Paul and Silas. They dragged them before the magistrates, accusing them of troubling their city and, and teaching customs that were contrary to Roman law. And these preachers were frightfully beaten and handed over to the jailer, who, we are told, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Can't, can't you see these men tonight in all their misery and sorrow and suffering, persecuted, oppressed, lied about, beaten, imprisoned, chained, bleeding, and sore? The jailer didn't care about them any more than he cared for the other prisoners that were there. He was just doing his job. But he did see them react in the most unusual way, we have to say, because you know what they did? We read about it at midnight. They prayed and they sang. I've often thought would I do that if I was in their place after all the persecution and, and opposition and beating and now in prison, my feet in the stocks, my back is bleeding and I'm sore. Uh, I don't know. I think most people would complain. Not these men. They prayed. They sang. They worshiped God. And that must have had a mighty effect upon the jailer. It must have had an effect upon the other prisoners. The Bible says that they heard them. We do know that the jailer fell asleep because he was awakened abruptly out of a sleep by an earthquake that, that opened the prison doors and shook off their chains, the chains of the prisoners, and startled by the sudden earthquake and seeing the doors of the prison opened and thinking that all the inmates had escaped, he was about to take his own life because he would have had to forfeit his life anyhow. That was the, the law of the Romans. If you allowed prisoners to escape that were in your charge, you would be killed. And instead of that happening, he's about to take his own life. Whenever Paul stepped in, and he did in verse 28, he cried with a loud voice saying, do thyself no harm for we are all here. Isn't that amazing that not only Paul and Silas were here, but we're all here. None of the prisoners have escaped. We know that the jailer was awakened in grace. Whatever happened in his heart, it awoke him. Not just physically when he was wakened up by the earthquake, but he was awakened spiritually because he came to know Christ as a Savior. He pressed into the kingdom of God. And not only him, but you go on to read about his family. It's always marvelous, you know, when a man gets saved and other members of the family trust in the Lord as well at the same time. It's really a remarkable story of grace and salvation. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved was the answer. And this is the response to the gospel that we long for. What happened in this man's life? We want to see men transformed, don't we? We want to see eyes opened to the truth of the gospel. We want to see hearts melted by divine truth. We want to see lips crying out, what must I do to be saved? Hearts responding. 
men falling on their knees like this man did. Maybe you need an earthquake in your life. Something to shake you to the core of your being. Sometimes God has to operate this way. Some big-hearted sinners will simply not hear and obey no matter how often they've been told. They sit in countless gospel services. They attend numerous gospel missions. They are witnessed to in so many ways by family, by friends, gospel tracts that are given to them, maybe even a song that, that they hear on the radio or whatever, and, and they listen to these things. But their hearts are hard and unmoving and full of rejection. God's main method of reaching souls is through preaching. That's why we, we have these meetings on a Sunday night. This is God's way. Faith cometh by hearing. Romans 10, 17. And hearing by the word of God. And that passage of Scripture talks about preachers that are, that are raised of God and sent to preach the gospel so that men can hear. Remember, Paul said, it pleased God through the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. But when the preaching is neglected and rejected, what does God do? Isn't that a fair question? When people just go on and, and they reject the gospel, what does God do? Well, as I was thinking about this, I suppose there's three things that he does or can do. Sometimes he, he just lingers on in infinite patience and long-suffering, and he, and he gives more opportunities and more opportunities. And then sometimes he walks away because all the opportunities are finished now. And there's not going to be another invitation. There's not going to be another knock. He's not going to plead again. He, he's given it all, and he walks away. My spirit shall not always strive with man. And then at other times, and it is in mercy, he sends an earthquake. Maybe not a physical earthquake like this one, but an earthquake into the life. A heart attack. A chronic illness. An accident. Financial crisis. The death of a loved one. A little child snatched away. Or some other crisis, but it's all designed with one great purpose in view, and that is to make men sit up and take stock. It's the voice of God, only this time it's the voice of God thundering. It's the earthquake, you see. It's the awakening call. It's the trumpet blast. Call it what you may, but it gets your attention. And it makes you sit up as never before to consider where you stand before God, to consider your latter end, to consider indeed your eternity as it did with this jailer, to bring you to your senses that you might be saved. What will it take to bring you to Christ? What earthquake needs to erupt in your life to make you sit up? My dear friends, the simple message tonight in this gospel service as we look at the responses to the gospel, it's not to be like the first two men. Don't stop short like the scribe. 
He was almost there, but didn't make it. And don't be like Felix and spurn the call of the gospel and procrastinate your soul. But be like this man. Oh, it took an earthquake. But be like him with an earthquake or without an earthquake. Strive to enter in. Press into the kingdom. Come asking the question of all questions, what must I do to be saved? And the answer is still the same. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Believe in who he is. Believe in what he came to do. And thank God you shall be saved. Let's pray. <coughs> just as you're bowed in prayer, just let me remind you that we are here to help you, to encourage you to Christ, to come to know him. If you'd like to talk to us after the meeting, we're here. Never in a hurry away when it's to do with the souls of men. All we want to see you see. When you come to Christ, will you react and respond the right way and believe in him this very night? I trust that you will. Lord, give deciding grace. Give courage. Resolve of heart. Bring men and women and young people who are not saved to that point of submission to thee. To recognize their need. To feel their sin. But to know the gospel, the good news that Christ died for sinners and paid the price that we might go free, took our punishment that we might be saved. Lord, we pray that gospel truth will now sink into the hearts of men. <coughs> May the Lord be honored as a result of our coming together tonight. And may there be that drawing power to Christ for Jesus' sake. Amen. 232. <coughs> O sinner, the Savior is calling for thee, long, long as he called thee in vain. He called thee in joy, then his crown to thy day, as he called thee in sorrow and pain. Oh, turn, that's what you need to do. Turn while the Savior in mercy is waiting.
Lord, we pray your blessing upon this meeting, what we've heard as we've sat here and listened. We pray that your word will be very powerful and bring sinners to Christ. Don't let them leave without the Lord. May this be the night of their salvation. And may God be glorified as a result. Dismiss us now in your fear and love. For Jesus' sake. Amen.